Welcome to Fellowship Safaris, conversations about people of color and their journeys to subspecialist training in their countries of origin and around the world. I am really, really excited for this podcast today because I get to interview a man I have been mentored by, even the times when he didn't think he was mentoring me, as well as somebody who has been a great source of wisdom, a great source of motivation and support during my my short career as a pediatrician and even now as a subspecialist. I want to give him an opportunity to introduce himself. Thank you very much, Dr. Jerry, for those kind words. Uh, my name is Dr. Renson Mokwana. I'm a pediatrician by training, and I've also done a fellowship or subspecialist training in uh, pediatric endocrinology. Endocrinology is an area that deals with hormone issues in children and growth disorders in children. Why pediatrics and why endocrinology? Why did you choose these two specialty and subspecialty? Yes, thank you. Now, you see, along, along my training as, as a young doctor, I found uh, pediatric fairly enjoyable and rewarding in the sense that uh, when you make a difference in a child's life, especially when they are sick, you will see an immediate response. And uh, that gave me a lot of satisfaction. And I made a, a decision that that is the area that I would specialize in. I've enjoyed actually practicing pediatrics. As years went by, when we started having now subspecialist trainings or services in this country, there was obvious that uh, some areas were being left behind. It was becoming a challenge, like we would encounter a child with diabetes on the ward or in the clinic, and it's like we don't know what to do, you know. Mm -hmm. I felt challenged that I should take up this area and try to learn more about it and uh, at least offer a service for this area that was fairly uh, I would say, let me use the word neglected for, for lack of a better word. But also I must mention that there was some influence behind it anyway, mm -hmm. because there were opportunities for, for training locally here, uh, which were being uh, funded by the international community. It became a bit easier now for me even to take up the training, you know. When you say local training, you mean like subspecialty training in Kenya? Yeah, and you know, I think this was the first of its kind, if if I'm not wrong, because a lot of fellowship training, I know our colleagues had to go outside in Europe, America, had to be able to access such such kind of training, which is actually very expensive. You can imagine moving away from your family for us who had families, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the endocrine community worldwide, the well-established endocrine societies, let let me be more specific, the European Society for Pediatric Endocrinology wanted actually to do something for the betterment of mankind, you know. Yeah. And they looked at Africa, where, especially in Sub-Saharan Africa, where we hardly had any endocrinologists, yeah? and they are willing to come in and establish a training 
yeah. sub-Saharan region. Fortunately, my hospital was quite involved in the initial discussions and choice of site for training. And uh, at least that is that initial step made a very big difference, you know. Of course, when I talk about myself, I'm also I'm also must mention about basically the region. You know, when I talk about sub-Saharan region, mm-hmm. it was going to be cheaper to train people in Africa. And a lot of us have actually been trained in this program. I think when you look at the sub-Saharan Africa, we are now over, I think, almost 70 that have gone through this training. Eh? I know you said you were in the initial cohort. I was actually in the third cohort. Uh, when the training started, I think we were talking about probably two or three uh, endocrinologists in sub-Saharan Africa. Kenya, I think we only had one who had just again finished a training in Europe. When I talk about sub-Saharan Africa, we are actually excluding North Africa and South Africa. You know? Do you have a number of how many, roughly how many endocrinology cases there are in the country or you know, what population they cover? The data, of course, has been a, a bit of a challenge. Yeah, because you see a lot of our patients, you know, go to public facilities and sometimes capturing the various, I mean, data for various endocrine conditions can be a challenge. But I must say that um, we've made very big milestone in diabetes. When we, we were through with our training, we now started rolling out trainings in various parts of the country supported by the Ministry of Health and some donors, targeting regions that appear to have uh, high numbers of people or children with diabetes. So we did a lot of trainings among the healthcare workers, and that has improved on diagnosis and, Mm -hmm. of course, uh, the treatment. And in the current registers we have, we must be having over 4,000 children now on on, on care. That's just diabetes. We've not even like gone into the other endocrine complications. Yeah. How, what was the experience for you learning at home in a fairly new program? Yeah, let me start off by saying of course, there was the uncertainty as to the value of the training. I mean, whether one will really get to have the necessary experience for this kind of sub-specialist training, especially so because the issue of the clinical exposure in terms of numbers of patients that uh, are required for one to get very good experience. That has come to pass because when people don't have information about a disease, then they even miss out on diagnosis. The training itself, first of all, you know, you have the theory you go through, you know, which is very standard anywhere you go, you know, to learn the basic science of, of the endocrine system and how it works. And then now there's the clinical exposure. There was that challenge in terms of numbers, but the way it was structured was that there are opportunities to go outside Nairobi and look for these patients. So I think by the time I was uh, already joining the program mm-hmm. during the third cohort, the numbers had had already picked up. Eh? Why? Because apart from us also doing the training, there was a move towards creating awareness among the healthcare providers that these things are there. You know, if you see any child with diabetes. Now there's a, a group that can focus on that. Yeah? If you see any child suspected to have like a thyroid problem because of these mm-hmm. symptoms, bring we will screen for them 
other hormone problems like children who are born with ambiguous genitalia. Mm -hmm. You know, in the past, the practice was you see a genital ambiguity, you send to the surgeon. But here we are saying, no, we yeah. need an endocrinologist to see them first to determine whether they really need the surgeon or not. Yeah, so there was a, a great move towards a shift towards how we, how we knew certain conditions and how we are approaching them. And that really built a, a good case case study or case load for the for the initial groups. Nowadays, of course, it's not a problem, but there are many. But yeah. I must say that you might, this this is through creating awareness that these conditions are there and digging up with colleagues, tell them if you see this, please refer. That is what has really made a very big difference in our fellowship. Program eh? and yes. during the time that you were learning in the fellowship program, in terms of the faculty, who are the main people who are teaching? The, the model was, I would say, also was the first of its kind in the medical world, specifically in the world of pediatric endocrinology, where the European Society of Pediatric Endocrinologists took up upon themselves to form a faculty that will now come to us to teach in our environment rather than us going to, to them. I would say that in the first four to five cohorts, we had tutors volunteering from Europe, from America, from Australia. They will come and stay for a month. It really gave us a very good exposure of what mm -hmm. happens outside there because these were very senior pediatric endocrinologists. Eh? People volunteering to come. They were not being paid. We had a sponsor, uh, the, I must mention this, the World Diabetes Foundation, through uh, one uh, pharmaceutical company. Uh, I'm not uh, afraid to mention this novel because they actually mm -hmm. did a lot of work to support this, uh, this training. Funding for this training in terms of bringing fellows from other countries to come to Kenya. They facilitated the movement of fellows from their home countries to Kenya, took care of their accommodation. They also facilitated the research component of this program. There was a real lot of commitment from our sister societies just to make this program succeed. You said the first four to five cohorts were taught with the collaborative effort of all these endocrinology dons from around the world. At what point was there that transition to having Kenyan faculty at the very onset, uh, this uh, training had a discussion on sustainability, that they were not just going to, to train one group and disappear. There was the need that out of the fellows that have been trained, there must be a, fac a local faculty mm -hmm. that will now work with the visiting uh, tutors uh, until it is fully transitioned to local tutors. Eh? I know it has happened after, after almost 10 years now. What happened was that the external tutors, mm -hmm. they reduced the numbers that they were sending okay. so that we can slowly take over. It's one thing to know that there's a program out there, but to really understand that there was this commitment at a global scale to be able to bring training closer to home, like literally yes. at home, and yes. not only do that, but have this progressive support because when you're talking 10 years 10 years is not it's not a short time to then you know sort of like this taking us a, a step back and even with the step back they didn't like disappear you're still having the partnerships and that collaboration that's really really amazing to hear about the thinking that went into that to be able to have a program that has had 
such a huge impact, not just at a national level, but at a regional level. Thank you so much for walking us through that. As an individual, how did it feel to, to be in this space where you're learning all these things in endocrinology, you have to go and look for these patients for yourself and provide you know, some sensitization? What was that dynamic like for you in that learning space? I found it fairly interesting and also challenging. Yeah, because you are, you are in a field where uh, it's perceived that there are no patients. Yeah? But when you go outside there, how can you discover they are there? With the time when we started building the numbers and now we are able to share our findings with the colleagues locally, people started building a lot of interest like in a, what is this endocrinology, okay? Even though we felt that we did not have adequate numbers initially, one thing that happened was that we decided to form a society, African Society for Pediatric Endocrinologists, so that we can push this agenda in different countries Yes. and get that uh, support and uh, and buy-in. And I can assure you that the first conference we had for pediatric endocrinology in Africa mm-hmm. were held here in Nairobi very early. It actually was very exciting and proved that actually things can be done locally. What was the most challenging aspect for you, both academically and you know personally, during that period of time? Uh, personally, I think when I went for this program, I was fairly, first of all, I was fairly excited. You know, it's a, it's a new field. And I went there with a set mind that mm-hmm. I want to go and read and improve on my knowledge and skills and mm-hmm. come back and make an impact. So I basically enjoyed the journey. I had a, a, an employer who supported me so well. So I didn't feel I had any big challenge that will not enable me go through this. Uh, training. When it comes to funding, because that is one of the things that for a lot of people, when they're thinking about fellowship, that's like a huge barrier for a lot of people. What is the funding structure for anybody who's thinking about endocrinology in this Kenyan program? For the last 10 years, we had an organization that funded two sessions of four years each. And this was based on the success of the first session because they felt that it had gone down fairly well. And, and that was offering scholarships for pediatricians to come and train. After the funder now felt that they had done enough, because there was always the issue about sustainability, I think we, the European Society of Pediatric Endocrinology and the British Society of Pediatric Endocrinology and uh, what we call ISPAD, International Society of Pediatric and Adolescent Endocrinology. They actually came on board as second sponsors because a lot still needed to be done. Eh? But by the time they were coming on board, it was mm-hmm. very clear that they will only be able to support one grant. Mm-hmm. And by then, the university should have taken over and people now to start looking for the individual sponsorship yes. to, to go for training at the, at the university. You may be aware that there was a grant that the Kaya Pediatric Association got to support some fellowship training, which has also made a very big difference. Yes. If you go behind you know, the history of the, this uh, grant, you'll find that it is based on the success of this pediatric endocrinology program. Mm. Because I think a lot of donors started becoming interested in this model. As it is, I think the fellows that we have now, quite a number have been funded by individual organizations. What has been the most rewarding thing for you now as faculty of a program that you are in, 
in its inception phase and now having seen it continue to mature? Having to see graduates of this program go back to their home countries and make a very big impact that is felt at the international level in terms of establishing endocrine clinics, in terms of publishing research papers. I think it is extremely rewarding. We are lucky that technology has changed. Mm -hmm. So the way we communicate amongst our peers has also changed and has improved access to some knowledge, okay? What would be your words of wisdom to somebody who's speaking or thinking about doing a fellowship? Well, I think fellowship should be something that comes out of you as an individual wanting to offer something more than what is the basic or baseline. You are looking at wanting to go to a field that you have passion for and you feel that you can actually go there and make a difference in terms mm -hmm. of care and outcome. I believe that that is what should drive you one has to look at what would make them more satisfied in terms of there's the individual satisfaction, but there's also what you give back to the community. What are one or two pieces of advice that you give someone like me as you're starting out in your practice in your home country? Okay, let me answer this also based on my experience. I have seen some senior colleagues who came in as subspecialists in certain areas and uh, they could not uh, initially start off uh, well because profession had not perceived that we can have such people mm. and they have a role to play. But uh, I think things have changed now. And uh, for young uh, subspecialists like you, what I feel that you need uh, to be supported is, first of all, we need to create awareness amongst ourselves about like adolescent services. But more importantly, we need also to understand what an adolescent service is all about, especially from the expert like you. Eh? So I believe so much in creating awareness. Yeah, so it really starts with us. We are actually in interesting times in the medical world. Eh? The world has become so small, there's a lot of technology. The masses we treat have more access to information. And uh, I think it is upon us to be a step ahead. Okay? Mm -hmm. And the only way we can do that is to agree to learn, to subspecialize in different areas, mm -hmm. because that is where the world is going. Eh? I'm really happy that uh, a lot is happening locally here in Kenya. Let's aspire to know more to learn more, to have more fellowships. And mm -hmm. also, when we come back home, let's try to see how we can grow these services locally and also promote more subspecialist training locally. Yes, we can go outside there to benchmark, yeah. but let's, let's think about ourselves first. I'm so humbled and I'm so grateful that you took the time to be able to walk us through that. I have learned so much more about what you're passionate about and more so this fellowship process from a Kenyan context and also that there is a blueprint. I think the other thing is that there is a blueprint on how to be able to do it in a successful way through the endocrinology uh, fellowship program. I hope that the people who've listened to this, you are inspired that we can be able to have our own local training and local fellowships and we can support each other from a regional standpoint and build each other up. And for those who go out into the world to other countries, bring in that information back to your home country. Thank you very much, Dr. Jerry. 
I'm so glad you stayed tuned. Please get the word out and share it with at least three people. Make this episode like a chain letter. Share it, share it, share it. Come back for the next leg of our safari where we'll be talking about... How did you feel when I had told you that apart from, you know, all the other education that I'd done that I was going to go and do a fellowship. What went through your mind? Well, well what went through my mind was, uh, uh, this chick is a doctor. <laughs> uh, and uh, doctors, like IT professionals, have to keep on bettering themselves and listen to them. Um, going back to school and just, um, acquiring new knowledge um and also i think uh, it's uh, your fellowship was particularly something you are passionate about so for me i was like let me it takes a village to make this podcast strategic and creative direction was done by josephine karianjahe and melissa mbogwa the producer of the show is melissa mbogwa tevin sudi is the sound engineer with thanks to aq studios the graphic design was done by Benjamin Boyer, and the original music was done by husband extraordinaire Mwakavi Maweu. This is an Africa Podfest production.